Welcome to No Dice, the podcast after the Dice with Death podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Bateman, and I'm joined by a magical bird person who soars through the sky, unless he's in a library with no help or healing potion, because he will die. It's Ark, <laughs> aka Daddy Parrot himself, Mr. Jamie Powers. Hello. Yeah, I, oh. very, very dead. Thank you again, everyone. <laughs> I don't think those wounds have healed just yet, um, and you're not even back in the race, so we'll we'll, we'll find out about, about all of that in the next episode, and perhaps what's to come. But for now, I'm also joined by a half-elven druid who still doesn't know if she was the unborn child in utero. It's Zakiah Rubbledusk, also affectionately known in the real world as Miss Amy Mallet. Bit like Titus, they're sort of blurring into one now, to be mm. honest. Yeah. I'm sort of like unsure of my real identity anymore. <laughs> Um, but yeah, hey, uh, I still feel kind of bad about the whole daddy daddy parrot thing. Yeah. Um, let's hope we can we can you know give that a happier ending in future episodes. <laughs> it's still very much hanging in the balance, isn't it? And finally, a huge hulking Goliath who we are certain cuts his enemies down so precisely he could be mistaken for a surgeon. It's Titus Thunderbastard Caligavi, aka the Wilbo of what culture, Mister Adam Wilborn. Yeah. I, I... I still feel bad about not saving Jamie, but remember that time I cut someone in half and then caught the wish stone? I mean, it's 50-50. Yeah, yeah it's you've got good. to balance these good. things out. <laughs> Off the back of that, Adam, actually, let's just dive straight into this. Episodes 9 and 10, obviously, have just happened. We're talking about them now. Your rolling experience up until this point has been pretty poor when it comes to things that matter. And then yeah. episode 10, you just redeem yourself and you get that nat 20 to catch that wish stone. I know we're jumping ahead to episode 10 already, but like, how does that feel? Like rolling so poorly for so long and then getting a nat 20 when it when when it matters most? Yeah, like you say, I certainly in like dreams and stuff, I've been absolutely dreadful. I might as well have been using a, a six-sided die, to be perfectly honest, because that was the best I was doing. And I've been all right in battles. I, I think I, I think my you know my modifiers kind of help with that, obviously. But when it was so much riding on that wishstone part, and I rolled a nat twenty, I it, I got suspicious of myself because I was thinking like if I was listening to a podcast, and they were like, "Well, it's all on this," and the guy was like, "Nat twenty. I was just fiddling with the setup that we've got. It's so precise. And I was like, no, you need to see. Look, it's, it's resting on... <laughs> you really didn't think we'd believe you, did you? <laughs> no, I didn't believe it looking at it because I rolled it and was like, well, if someone said that, I'd call bullshit immediately. But yeah, it was ridiculous that. Because it's I, I've, I've got sympathy with Ames because I do this a lot where I do something and then go, oh, I really haven't thought this one through. <laughs> and like, you know, you're not a malicious uh, DM, but it... You, I mean, you have to say it, call it as you see it, yep. don't you? Yep. So. I'm going to have close the lid tattooed on my forehead because <laughs> I can't believe it was such a tiny detail that I just did not think through. In my head, I was just thinking, get this thing away from the bad guy, like, because he's going to get yeah. it. So it was just a case of like, Titus, go along. And I think, yeah, it's it's one of those. But going back to, to Titus and his incredible sort of like fluctuating roles, I think one of my favourite moments about episode nine was that bit where he rolls to build a house of books and he gets a nat 20 there so the house of books is an absolute mansion and he gets visibly angry at the fact that like in all the dream sequences it never went well but then like he can yeah. build a tower of books and it's absolutely grand 
And I realise, you know, I don't really know the Jamie might be the person to talk to about this in terms of like the mathematical probability of it all and whether it's affected with rolling before and then rolling again. It's that age old, like if you toss a coin 50 times thing, right? But when I did that, I was like, oh, great. And then I thought, well, I've used up my Nat 20 for the next, you know, three episodes or whatever. <laughs> It works in reverse as well, because do you remember Ollie mentioned that thing about cooking the dice? You actually got a nat yeah. one and you got it out of the way early before the fight yeah. started. So I kind of guess it works both ways. It is, it is a real thing. A lot of people, um, whether they're superstitious about it or whether they just want to get those numbers out of the way, the way to cook your dice is to turn your dice that you want to be successful onto the nat 20s and then roll with them I and mean, you you know you leave it on a shelf on a nat 20 for days it's like people who and and no disrespect to people who do this but people who carry crystals in their pockets and you know bathe them yeah. in moonlight and stuff like that it's the superstitious of the superstition sorry of if this dice is is lying on a nat 20 it will only bring me good luck but yeah mm. you getting that nat one out the way so early on um great effort <laughs> because i can't decide either whether to you know those wonderful new dice we've got i'm scared about using them because i don't want to use because they look great mm. but i don't want to use them and then the, that be the episode where it all goes wrong and mentally i'm just so superstitious i'd be like well they're cursed dice so <laughs> well yeah we we know people who have got um a dice jail so the, mm. the jail where they put their dice, where really? they roll really badly and they just all live in the dice jail. So they, they can't use them. those anymore. Yeah. Can they, until they can redeem themselves. Until they have, have yeah. a strong think about what they've done. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Oh my God. Um, did not know that. They let their dice out on day leave and go, right, this is your time now. This is, you need to be good for me. You need to roll. Oh, you're still in that one. Back in the dice jail for you. Maybe the dice are sentient. Maybe, uh, you know, they just need a bit of time to think, really think about what they've done. Oh, they de they definitely are. They're, and, you know, uh, a phrase that gets used a lot in D&D, &D, the dice really do tell a story. You know, we are, <laughs> we are rolling yeah. with those dice. And if they're like, nah, not today, mate. Nat one, that's all it is. Talking of high rollers, um, uh, what uh, the part of episode nine that I'm going to call the rag off, which sounds disgusting. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, but yeah. The start of episode nine, where Titus, true to form, just goes, "This, uh, this should be a competition, and we should do something about it." The chucking of the rags, the bloodied rags that you'd used to clean yourselves up after those harrowing dreams into the fireplace that only Titus wanted a part of. And mm. Arkin, Arkin Zakai were like, I, no, I, I just want to, you know, listening to Jamie just going, I could just get up and put it in the fire. I could just get up and do it. <laughs> it would be done. I don't want to roll for this. That um, really reminded me of Release the Shark because it was one of those classic oh moments God. that you only get with our dynamic where we just get obsessed with something really trivial mm. and turn it into something hilarious. Like it was a competition that no one asked for, but now it's like one of the most memorable moments of that episode. <laughs> How did Titus feel about losing to Zakaya? Again, uh, I, 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 yeah, I think I think he's getting Stacey, I think he's getting used to it and. Um, I think, obviously, with the group dynamic being as it is now, it's not just some randomer coming in and, and stealing his glory. But I did like the fact, yeah, I, I sort of made a conscious effort of like, you know what we haven't done in a while? A pointless exercise that completely draws away from the main story. <laughs> like, you know, going back and listening to all the old episodes and obviously as, as we're releasing them as well, getting the reaction to 
people seeing, you know, we've got to get off this ship. I think there's time for a backflip here. I, I just had a, I just had a moment of like, well, we've we've not had one of them in a while, and this is utterly pointless. But yeah, uh, just the 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 confidence, and then the complete undercutting of all that by getting mugged off uh, by Zach. It was just very very par for the course now for Tyus. Just I just want to say mechanically, I did put them in the fire because we could be very easily tracked with blood. So there was a reason. Why. Uh, I, yeah. I, was, I was considering, do I keep all of the bloody rags for myself in case I need to find you all? Mm. Uh, and I thought, no, let's just burn them. So there, there was a mechanical reason why I took the rags in the fire. Imagine being that, that guard that arrests Ark and just goes through your satchel and is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this, mate? Are you holding these for somebody or are these yours? What's going on? I've got I've got a random key ring with some teenager's family on it, so I think that's one of the, the least of the weird things that is in my uh, workshop at the moment. I forget who's got the picture of uh, that guard from the facilities, Nan, but somebody has it. And of course, Sakaya, you oh. now have an out-of-date McDonald's uh, voucher. Yes, it's expired now, So, and we haven't found the drive-through throughout the whole of our adventure. So I'm I, think gutted. A, I think you were in a coma at the time, Amy, so you probably couldn't have done <laughs> yeah. anything, really. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, somebody could have gone and at least picked up a McFlurry on my behalf, but I'm not going to hold that against you. Ark, I want to talk to you, Jamie, specifically about guidance i mean what a cantrip what a cantrip what a cantrip yeah. to have stopped and just use and just help everybody with those stealth checks across the road uh, to get to the library like how cool is guidance how like it's just so good yeah guidance is is a really good spell and it's one of the reasons why um as a support character the cleric is really good because i think only the cleric and the artificer can get uh, guidance so it's just a really good little cantrip to use um and i think the the cleric also gets loads of really good cantrips um and just really good damage dealing spells so yes guidance is great so is bless so bless is like the so you have guidance which is the cantrip and you have the spell which is bless um which is an actual spell and bless helps you out in battle so if you're fighting bless works really well but then if you're doing things just outside of combat guidance is just brilliant as well it's just so useful because you just know the moment it's like three of us have got or four of us have got to get across a road mm. oh, just gonna it's gonna mess things up we have all even begun if we didn't have that i'd have i had a horrible feeling about that especially i was like i'll come up the rear and i was like oh it's always going to be the last guy who like trips over a cart or something isn't it <laughs> But luckily, all the way up the high street, I say luckily, luckily there was an execution going on up the road and everybody yes, was distracted by death and blood and just, yeah, but you, you managed to get across the road and sneak into this library where uh, Titus builds an amazing uh, shelf of books <laughs> into some kind of uh, amazing 10th wonder of the world. Um, but then you descend into the library and Zakaya with her very keen half-elven dark vision identifies all the books and sees these off-duty jackals i want to admit something to about the library ambush setup 
<laughs> I oh. I really, really drew that out. Like I mistakenly made you guys be like, right, you use thirty feet of movement to get to like the middle of the library, and then you use another thirty feet of movement to like get behind the guy in the chair. For story purposes, I should have just let you guys go. So what do you want to do? Well, I want to mm. get from here to here. Right, roll a stealth check for that. Because that slowed things down quite a bit in my mind when I was listening back to it. But on the other hand, I do think that, as we talk about a lot on No Dice, there have to be stakes. And mm. with yeah. four beefy guards in a room, there has to be uh, that kind of tense moment in you guys setting up a kind of ambush. So I liked it. I don't think I'll do it again because it just took way too long. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you guys getting set up and into this ambush. I mean, what were all your, I, I know you all did your, you know, did your moves and got to where you wanted to go. But then there was the realization of, oh, we can't, we can't talk to each other now. We can't actually say who's going to go first. Like, what was going through all of your minds as players, not just characters, when you were like set up this ambush perfectly to get this surprise round on these guards? Well, I think Ark's death definitely brought us all down a peg or two because looking back at that situation, I can't help but think we had no spells. We were all really weak and hadn't yep. had a rest in ages. And like Billy Big Bollocks, we were just like, no, nah, we'll just go and ambush these twats. They'll be fine. We'll totally get the drop on them. And you are very much at the mercy of the dice. I rolled terribly the entire time. Titus ended up killing absolutely everybody in that library. <laughs> I missed them with an arrow. I'm pretty sure I only got one hit in at one point. So what turned it, what we thought was so clearly like we're going to have the, you know, the, the drop on them turned into an absolute murking, as we well in Bruins say. <laughs> we got absolutely trashed. And it was, yeah. I genuinely thought, I got, we got really gung-ho about it, listening back, like you say, Ames. And in my head, as it was happening, I didn't think, oh, it's a bit risky, this. I thought by the time we actually got to, like, combat, two of them were going to be dead already. Yeah. <laughs> We really felt like we had the stealth advantage and it just turned so badly the other way. Um, and it definitely taught me a lot about like, yeah, thinking about if you've got no spells, like what we should have done is just had a little kip at the top there and then gone down and investigated. Yeah. But yeah. we were like, now nah, we can see them. They can't see us. Brilliant. We're sorted. You see, I, I think we did really well considering we had no spells or anything. I think that <laughs> the, 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 there were things that we did wrong. So for me personally, because I, obviously I died. And that's on me. Yep. Oh, did because you? I have, <laughs> I, have, I have a ranged cantrip that I can use constantly. I have something called Toll the Dead. So I never had to get close to anyone. Mm. So oh, it's kind right. of on me. I thought, oh, I'll be cocky and I'll use my two knives and stuff and go for it. So I didn't have to do that. Um, and actually, by the end of it, I know I went down, but like they were on the ropes. Like mm. it was one hit to kill them both. So yeah. I think, I think we would have been all right, to be honest, if... Uh, if I got that last minute health potion or a uh, chair, I think I would have been good. Um, but yeah, I think we did all right, actually. You guys, um, did yeah. so, you guys did so well, honestly. Like against these, these guys were beefy and they were hard to hit because their AC was so high. Um, mm. So yeah, going into a fight with zero spells and Ark just going, you know, completely forgetting that you had a ranged cantrip and going, yeah, mm. I didn't know what I thought. I was, I was thinking, I, I think my dagger and my sword would have done more damage. I think they did mm. overall. But I was probably it was me thinking that these guys were weaker than they were. Mm. So I thought, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop in like Billy 
really big bollocks and, mm. and kill this guy straight away. Yeah. No, it didn't happen. Yeah. We definitely... I should, I should have just flown away earlier. <laughs> I think not only did we underestimate them as, as, as uh, adversaries, but also the fact that it was Ark's playground, like the rafters were all open. And I think that was really enticing for... If it had been me, I'd have done the exact same thing. Yeah. I'd have forgotten about the rage cantrip. I'd have just been like, I can swoop around. I can be a silent assassin. And yeah, I think that would have been more appealing to me. So the fact that you did forget about Toll the Dead, I think is pretty like understandable. <laughs> this is going to sound terrible, right? But I I really feel like I've learned from that episode far more than mm. Ark nearly dying previously. So then far more than Zack nearly dying previously. Because mm. when we were like, Haha, I did a medicine check and if that went wrong, you almost died. Uh, and I just went, oh, that was lucky, wasn't it? And you always feel... Or I certainly I have done recently in, in battles. Her looks on our side, something will happen. And then obviously Ames is rolling. She's like, oh, I've not got the thing to save you. And we're like, it's like I was like, ah, it's fine. Jamie will roll. And then the bit where Jamie just goes, yeah, I'm dead. And I was yeah. just like, uh, what? Sorry. And I know he's, he's dead, but he's not dead dead. But it's really reminding me of like, yeah, you're my character or any of the other characters who I've now gone grown really close to and just got used to, you know, knowing who to utilize in certain scenarios mm. yeah they could just be gone and we'd well presumably have to make a new character mm. ollie yes yeah. um yeah. once once a once a character is deceased and has moved on to you know another another realm um we go back to the story and we look at who could join the party and at what time you know it might be mm. an episode or two where just because of the story, somebody is out. Like somebody's not playing. Mm. Um, but Ark, it, like Jamie, in that in that moment where you're listening to this final round of combat, where Titus and Zakira, you know, in their heads oh. being so heroic and like kebabbing a guy to death, and Zakira jumping and almost pushing this guy over. Like I know on the recording, you are holding your head and not saying anything because you're trying not to be meta. But what is going through your mind when you're like, I'm going to die? Uh, I was I was all right, actually. So I was, I was quite nervous about it because they, if anything would have hit me. So if anyone would have hit me, I would have been dead then. Um, but I thought with, there's two chances. So this, so we had the two rounds of comp. We had the two. It's not a round, is it? <laughs> we had uh, Amy's go, then Adam's go, or it might be the other way around. And that's just that's two chances to save me. So when I heard... I think it was did, did Amy push? Amy pushed, didn't she? So she I did, thought, yeah. okay, that's not too bad because Adam can run up and give me a health potion, and then we're good. Because I thought oh, that makes sense because Adam's quite beefy and he can take a few hits if things go badly. <laughs> and then Adam attacked, and I was like, oh no, I'm actually dead now. So um, and you were very lucky the previous round, of course, because. The, the big guy stabs down into you yeah. with a nat 20 mm. and then the other guy stabs down into you but misses completely. Like, yeah. has advantage, feathers are flying everywhere, obviously, you know, like getting in his eyes and I was like, Ark's going to be, Ark's dead. He's going to be dead by a, a, a melee kill on the floor. Um, mm. That was, like, listening to all of that back was just crazy to me and I'm so happy that I got to DM it. But how, like, Adam and Amy... 
after realizing what was going on, because you all started shouting at the top of your lungs at me, yeah. going, no, you can stop now, stop this. You can, you can hear the panic. You can actually, <laughs> listening to it yeah, back, you yeah, can yeah, hear yeah. me and Asm actually come out of character and kind of call for a bit of like a breather and just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Almost like Ollie took it too far. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can compare it to is like, in, a, in those movies where they're like celebrating pulling off the bank heist or celebrating, you know, fighting off some local ruffians or whatever, and then they turn around and the main character's son's actually been shot in the stomach and no one's realised and he's bleeding out. <gasps> like that yeah. was I was just suddenly like, yeah. Oh no no, wait, what? I was all my all my previous actions now seem so un- un- unimportant in comparison to a, a bird slowly dying going <laughs> Help! Help! <laughs> and going back to like what what Ad said as well about like you know the medicine check with me in the previous episode, like that felt less scary because everything was within our control. We'd got Madame Mordana there. We'd got all three characters. They were all healthy. Like if something went wrong, there was going to be like a nice easy path. When the guy was like advancing on Ark, I've never felt that in a campaign because it's so out of your control and you're just like he's going to he's going to kill him and it's entirely on us to like defend this this character and yeah like we missed rolls it was just like you're completely at the mercy of the dice it was yeah it was really harrowing and i was genuinely like stop can we just stop yeah. <laughs> but the good the good thing was like from that moment i was thinking right let me think of my new character let's think about well, how what, what goes from here kind of thing um oh. I think it's really interesting for you, Ollie, as well, because you 100% put the idea of healing someone who was down into the kind of campaign. So, like, mm. a few episodes before, your big thing was, um, you know, you can bring someone back to life if they're unconscious. And it was a really nice thing because I think mechanically it was very difficult for someone to die because, like, in the round of combat, there were, like, three people who could have healed them. Mm. So, actually, it was quite a low-stakes kind of... Mm. tutorial about how to um heal someone uh so i think it was a really like i think it must have been like i don't i'm i'm sure that you weren't planning for me to die in this episode but it was a nice thing that actually in the narrative that was kind of peppered there and that's really cool yeah absolutely i'm having like nam i'm having like nam flashbacks just going back through it i could just move on like i really can't handle this <laughs> With the, with, it's good that we talked about the ho- the healing potion thing because I think that was I wasn't sure if like when Ark is dead like because he technically you've got like the whole thing where you um, have to roll a save don't you to check yeah 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 death and saves, I was thinking yeah. death saves if I was thinking like when someone's sort of like down or unconscious then a healing potion would work but in that stage I wasn't even sure if that was something we could do like I felt like you almost had to adhere to doing those death saves to there was no other pathway around it Mm. so if we had have just given him a healing potion would that have like restored a death save or would that have just given him HP back like how would that have worked when you're down and you're rolling death saves if you give someone a healing potion they come back up alive and they are healed for right. that amount of uh, healing that you give them, so okay. they can they can have failed uh, two death saves and have passed another two death saves, and it can be on the final death save. But if someone runs over and uses a bonus action to feed someone a healing potion, cancels mm. everything out, and they are back up, not to the top right. of their HP, but just you know however yeah. much HP that they've uh, been given back. That's good to know. That's good and to that's know. The same with with spells as well. So a healing word, we've done the same. Uh, the only thing that doesn't is um, a medicine check. So I don't right. know. So a medicine check will okay. stabilize someone, mm. which means that they're not 
I see. They're no longer dying, but they're at zero HP. Yeah, okay, taking some time cool. to recover. So if yeah. Titus had um, jumped just... in and done an amazing medicine check, <laughs> can on we stop Ark... though? Shoulda, woulda, couldas, please. Poor Titus. <laughs> this is just <laughs> emblematic, though, of like I don't know what you guys are like when you are playing computer games. Yeah. Where I, you know, it's something clearly designed for that moment in the game, mm. and you're like. Yeah, but be ashamed to waste it in case I need it later. It's like, someone's yeah. dying. Yeah. Use yeah. it. And actually, like, on that note, like, that's the thing. With a lot of games, you know, I've, I play a shitload of RPGs. Like, you actively can't just heal someone when they're down. Like, you need a phoenix down, you know? You need something that actually revives them first. So a healing potion and a potion isn't going to cut it if something's dead. So there's a lot of other mechanics that kind of just confuse my brain a little bit. And I just didn't think about the potion. Mm. So, but it's good to know. It's good to know that that's how it works. You stabilize the them with a medical. it is such a it's so indicative to um how you all work as a group how you all play Mm. together um but how you are in real life like jamie is the seasoned D &D, you know veteran within this campaign (laughs) and adam Mm. and amy are still learning the rules and what you can and can't do but that relates to your character so much because you look to Daddy Parrot, Daddy Up, all the time for ways to navigate a room or to, you know, to what to do next. Mm. So it is, it's perfectly narrative. Although I didn't want Ark to, you know, die, it is dice with death. So someone might die at some point, but the narrative just works so well. And you all, you know, and, and I feel like in episodes to come, with you all having learned this stuff, you'll, you might be more, uh, tactile or better tacticians going into battle or dealing with situations because up until now Titus and Zakaia see Ark as like this super OP military man when actually Mm. he's just as fragile as the rest of us yeah yeah no you're absolutely right that was a reality check I think we needed we've talked about this a lot before about like Ark being the daddy of the group who you know puts a plaster over our you know, grazed knee and helps us get dressed for school in the morning. Meanwhile, he's choking to death on a peanut, and me and Ark, uh, me and and me and Zach are showing off our new train set or something. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely been a really useful thing for the dynamic. Definitely. <laughs> After that death, we come to episode ten, where Jamie, as Ark, wakes up in a white, fluffy expanse, and for the most part seems incredibly confused and thinks that I'm trying to throw him a puzzle immediately at the start of this episode. Like, what was going through <laughs> your mind when you were like... Because I can I can hear through uh, Jamie's kind of, like, you know, um, impression of the character of Ark, like, his size, but they're so real world to how Jamie actually is. I know that Jamie's going... <sighs> fuck's sake all he's given us a puzzle in fucking heaven what's going on <laughs> he, he, sus- he was sus of you straight away wasn't he like he started testing yeah. the perimeters immediately yeah just like ninja <laughs> sharks back in the uh, facility of the basement mm. oh you didn't see the ninja sharks or whatever um jamie what was going through your mind when you woke up in that fluffy expanse and what you thought i was up to me and ollie had had a chat about the what comes next kind of thing so I do want to say that Ark probably is one of the, my favourite characters I've ever played. And I just really like him as a character. And he's, like like the, setup. he's like the culmination of every game that we've ever played with you discovering yeah. what you like about different races and classes yeah. and being like, Ark's the guy now. But he's dead. And <laughs> it's important that you honour death in D&D because that's where the stakes are. If someone dies, they have to die. 
so I had a, quite a big chat with Ollie about, like, he's great, but he's dead. So I'm out of this now. And I I kind of, like, I don't I hate to say wash my hands of it, but, like, it's not up to me what happens next. It's up to Amy and Adam because I'm dead and I'm no longer a player of this world. Uh, so I think what Ali did there was actually really nice. Actually, I am still technically connected to the world, mm. but whatever happens, I can't control. You can't influence it. It's yeah. It's us. Okay. Cool. That I, I like that. I do like that a lot. It's it's like a it's like a look on metagaming, isn't it? And you know, knowing so many different things if you are a seasoned D and D player, but having built this relationship as Ark with Zakaira and Titus, it has to be taken out of your hands and it has to be narratively um uh narratively what's the word um Authentic, I guess, yes. to some degree. Like Narratively it has to... authentic or yeah. true to what's going on. Um, and... and the authenticity comes from, from Ark f- facepalming every time that we bu- bugger up a scenario that should be really straightforward. <laughs> yes, and, and, and that kind of going, well, you know, I've been taking I've been taking care of these two people so far who aren't my real idiots. family. Two yeah. idiots so far. Can they, when it matters, take care of me? Can they mm. listen to Madame Mordana, get this wish stone, and hopefully, maybe, possibly, maybe not, bring him back? There's still yeah. a huge, huge mm. chance that Ark will absolutely not come back to this world and mm. go through the mists with the gatekeeper. But mm. who knows? I very much enjoyed the. I'm a sadist, so I watched Endgame again the other day, and I felt like the wish stone bit was the 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 keep away game they play with the gauntlet except us just sort of lobbing a bit lobbing it about mm. left right and center rather than strategically passing it between group members yeah definitely no it was like there was a there's a real thanos like finite a, a sort of feeling isn't there to all of this like we we've definitely had the stakes put on our shoulders and um the the idea that jamie mentioned about honoring uh, the d- death in D&D because you know it is true to the story and I think part of the reason that we love D&D as much as we do is that it's not something that you cheese it's not something that it's partly imagination and it's partly something that you control but the randomized element of it is that you know as Ollie rightly said the dice tells the story and you don't really get a say in that it's all randomized so you really yeah. feel as though there's an element of you know you're not going into it knowing the story that's going to be told a lot of it is actually unknown to the players and unknown to the dm and it's that unknown aspect that makes it really enjoyable and as as shitty as it can be to to lose a group member like you say jamie that has to happen because mm. otherwise what's the point it's like i remember years ago when i'd speak to mates about like computer games whether it be like uh, football manager or uh, you know other other sorts of games with stories and stuff mm. and i had one, <laughs> one mate of mine who was who would just if he messed up would just go back to the previous save right and just yeah do it again so if he like a lost a game if he lost a game on football manager he, you know oh one i played the premier league and i won the premier league and i won every single game that season because anytime i lost i just restarted it or any story-based yeah. game or anything like that it's yeah. like 
what's the fucking point of that then? Exactly. It's like, just... what is that? Yeah, and this is the thing with like a lot of games these days do a feature called permadeath, where they literally make sure that the character, when they die, they die. That's it. You you start as someone else, or you maybe um you know have to go back from the beginning or whatever. And I think that has sprung from players' need to feel those stakes, to actually know that they're real, and that you know if, if there isn't a point to it, if you know no, no. one can lose and no one can die because that's not what we're here for. Um, so yeah, I think it's and the whole scene in in heaven. The gatekeeper is one of my favourite characters <laughs> ever. I just adore them. I want to go for cocktails with them. I want a sitcom where they just sit talking about telly, <laughs> like Gogglebox with them and Ark. I would absolutely yes. love it. That's exactly what I was imagining. It was Ark and the gatekeeper just like sat on a sofa, <laughs> Gogglebox kind of style stuff, watching all the memories from back in the day. Uh, yeah, I, I love the gatekeeper. I definitely spent a good two to three weeks planning what they're going to sound like what they were wearing, just how they were. And I think I think in the episode it comes across I don't get it immediately. Like it's mm. it's near it's nearly there. But I think once we get into the episode that their character is just rooted in whatever uh in mm. whatever their mannerisms are. And yeah. I love I love the fact that when Ark gets there to the box realm so unsure about what's going on and then by the end of it is in the day spa having a lovely time in the plunge pool <laughs> having his talons manicured <laughs> yeah, i'd love to know jamie's sort of thought process there because i'm on a bit of a marvel hype here it reminded me of jamie being dormammu and the and the gatekeeper being hello welcome to heaven right kill them i, I break my own neck i jump out the window or whatever and they're just back in the same place or i fly straight up and you're just in the same place and then like you say jamie just learns to accept the new surroundings and the, his new uh friend and it's a testament to like how good the gatekeeper character is and also how good arc's character is that actually nothing really happens in some of those scenes in between me and sort of titus and madame Mordana yeah. going to find uh, magnus brink but actually i was so immersed because you know the fact that he asks this bit gave me shivers like arc asks the gatekeeper if his wife and kids are back there that gave me shivers because i was just like yeah. oh my god i'm waiting for this art like are they dead like it, yeah, there's so much that can be explored, even though it, it's not necessarily action-packed. I thought the dialogue was amazing from the pair of you. and it I, just, really, yeah. I think I've said this on previous No Dices, but I really do appreciate, and this is a credit to you, uh, Ollie, and the way like Jamie rolls with it as well, and uh, well as well, aims with, with all the flashbacks and the, you know, the callbacks to family, etc., etc. But I obviously only got into D&D, probably less than a year ago I got into D&D because &D we were locked down and and Jamie sort of suggested it and Ollie you know was 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 just showing what it can be like as well and uh I think a year ago if you'd said to me you'd be playing D&D &D and you weren't like I assumed the only thing I'd be actually interested in is battles of just like mm. kill this guy kill this guy fight this do this person do this uh, you know, outrageous challenge mm. or whatever. But like Ames said, it's the bits in between it that's arguably even more interesting. And mm. that's, again, showcased in episode 10 with you two uh, and the back and forth that you have there. Mm. I thought yeah. it was I thought it was so important in those scenes. Because uh, when I was writing it, I was like, you know, Ark has to, like, in my head, I was going, he has to have an epiphany or he has to have something. And I was like, no, it's just a normal conversation between, yes, someone who is a demigod and someone who's nearly dead. <laughs> yeah. But it needs to be like, you know, giving Ark a kind of narrative reason to think 
do I walk through the gate or do I hope that my friends, you know, bring me back? Do, mm. do, I, do I hope that I get another chance? You know, the gatekeeper asking you, what's your purpose in life? Do you think you'd have another purpose when you, you know, go back down? Are those people who you are with right now, are they your purpose right now? Those kind of, you know, existential crises kind of questions. That was, that was the main narrative force of the gatekeeper to, you know, give Ark a look back over his life and possibly, you know, what could happen if uh, Titus and Zakaia succeed. There's a lot of humour there as well. There's a lot of profoundness. But the fact that, like, he talks about tempo and you're like, oh, tempo. Oh, no, tempo. <laughs> he came to my 20,000th 20, <laughs> 20, birthday party. Oh, he was a riot. Like, bits like that. I genuinely forgot. I, it was like I was listening to a really good audiobook, And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> me and Titus are doing something now. <laughs> So, Jamie, what was going through your head then? Because, I mean, if this is purgatory, it's a pretty sweet purgatory. It's a five-star purgatory you're in. It was interesting because I think... Because me and Ollie didn't have a chat about anything. We just, like, just free-flowed that. And I think we asked some quite interesting questions like, you know, I've only got a few years left of life. Is it worth having another chance? I think that was quite an important uh, thing that we spoke about. What What's your purpose in life? Is just, what is your purpose in life? You don't know. And I think the interesting for that, for Ark, was um, he looked at... He looked at himself and he's he's kind of realised that he's just been serving people his entire life. He's been in, he's been serving the night the the um, he's been serving the um, Aracocra. He's been serving Tempo, and yeah, when he comes back, is he going to think to himself, "Why am I, why am I doing it? Should I do things for me instead of Tempo or Mister Hirokoshi or, or whatever?" So I think that's an interesting thing to to come from that. So. With the question that Jamie asked, the gatekeeper, are my family behind that gate? Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have seen it, but on the table in front of me, on my phone, I had a randomizer up. And it was yes or no. <gasps> oh! <laughs> because, because I... I had thought that Jamie might have asked something like that. He might have been like, he hasn't seen his family in three months. He's not heard anything on the scrying letters. And I was like, cool. I've written a scenario for that. And I've written a scenario for that. So yeah, peek behind the screen, tap my phone. And it said they weren't there. And I went, that's what I'm going to roll with. Yeah, amazing. That's because so sometimes... Good. The, the randomised nature of D&D is what takes it to another level rather than having yeah. everything yeah. completely yeah. written out. You have to, you know, I can make it linear sometimes and make you go to places and do things, but the, the part of D&D that excites me and everybody who does yeah. listen and love this podcast is the choices that you guys make, you yeah. know, um, in Absolutely. every situation that you're in. So, yeah, it was a completely randomised um, that is amazing. Yeah, that's what I was saying now. earlier. It's just things like that just make it feel alive. They make a game that could feel really static and on paper, like take on a life of its own because we don't often know where it's going to go. Ollie's doing all this brilliant writing and like you say, just, just it being so flexible with the storyline. Meanwhile, the three of us, mainly me, are trying to chase as many listeners as we as we are trying to chase as many listeners away as possible by doing obscure references, <laughs> vines, puns. LeBron James. Talking about Neil Sodden Buchanan. <laughs> like, it is 
the neat, most niche of niche podcast this. So thank you to everyone who listens. And I think I think I as a, a great the growing think, show notes every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think as a little break from talking about the campaign, we need to before we get back onto it, we need to go back to some questions that have come up in uh, no dices before or other uh, other episodes. But Adam, first of all, I want to know um, why did you step on X Pack's dog? Oh God! <laughs> this was in the first. So, yeah. This was in the first. No dice, and we never got around to talking about it. Oh, so what God. happened? But yeah, basically, I was in. Uh, I got. I was very, very lucky through through my job to go out to to Las Vegas uh, and cover an event for uh, All Elite Wrestling, which is like the big rival to, to WWE, effectively. And uh, it was just this mad whirlwind where we weren't going. Uh, we'd sort of spoken with the organisers, but it was straight after WrestleMania, so work's already spent a lot of money with, you know, sending us all out for that. And then literally, like, the Wednesday before the event, I just get an email to my work email from, like, British Airways. It just says, here's your fl- plane ticket. And suddenly it was, we were going, and it was this mad whirlwind where we suddenly had to sort accommodation and stuff. And by, you know, the Thursday we were we were at Heathrow or wherever we were going to, to Vegas. And I, you know, I, I don't really sleep on planes, so I was, I'd, I'd been awake for about 36 hours and <laughs> got there and literally was just in this, you know, it's Vegas, first of all, which is already just uh, so sensorily overwhelming. And then we got to our little uh, hotel that we were staying at. And some people were like, oh, it's, hey, it's the guys from What Culture, And you're bombarded by people actually recognising you for that when I talk bollocks about wrestling on the internet, basically. <laughs> and then, yeah, turn around. And it's sodding X Pack from Degeneration X, and and well, he's been a load of other stables. He's been he's great. I love him, and uh, just oh my god! And then he's got his little, he's got a little tiny, I don't know what it is, Chihuahua, <laughs> a tiny dog with him, and I, I basically almost stood on that because, and it was just so. It's one of those things that I remember it, and it feels like I dreamt it because it was just <laughs> such a mad, like week, basically that entire week where we were we were playing. Uh, craps with a, a, a wrestler called Hornswoggle about 12 hours after arriving in... Can that be the name of your him. next character, please, Sir uh, Jamie? Yeah. <laughs> Hornswoggle. So it fantasy. Just, okay. It's just so mad. That, that, yeah, that was, that's a surreal backstory to that. That's a previous question ticked off the list. The next one that yeah. has to be answered is, uh, Jamie, what is Neil Buchanan's favourite sandwich? Oh, oh gosh I think it was a chip butty but I, uh, it was just a very simple chip butty mm. um, I really want a chip butty now cheers Jamie <laughs> sorry no worries but yeah no I met him uh, when I worked at the so I used to many moons ago work at a volunteer charity radio station and uh, yeah we just managed to get tickets to go watch Neil Buchanan's band Marseille <laughs> in the Robin <laughs> in Bilston and uh, yeah that's uh that's what happened. He's a lovely chap. Absolutely lovely. And he made an arc attack, we're calling it, not an art attack, oh, an nice. arc attack. An arc uh, attack. Which uh, Adam coined in the last episode, actually. This is an arc attack um, <laughs> of a chip butty. Is that what he made? Yeah, if I if I um, find the audio, um, do you fancy editing it in right now? If the silence... I couldn't find the audio. Just so you know. <laughs> if you heard the audio, great. If you didn't, sorry. That's sorry. 
that's audio pissing itself in the wind amazing and then the last question that i want to come back to before we get back on chatting about the campaign adam what was the epic story about you not meeting dave benson phillips oh i'm so i was definitely going to forget to tell this so yeah yeah. dave benson phillips that those that don't know uh like neil buchanan was a children's tv presenter from like the late 90s early noughties dave benson phillips presented a tv show that i try and get on uh occasionally called get your own back where it was like kids would compete against their parents and if they won they won loads of prizes and it was mainly if they won they got their their uh, parent gunged uh with 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 guns with, guns, uh, with slime they'd slide, yeah. They'd, yeah. they'd slide they they'd, it was guns sort of throughout but in the end they'd basically be taken up this big slide <laughs> This sort of ratchet slide, and then they'd be fired into the gunge, and that was the big ending. So, thanks for watching. See you later next week. But I was a huge fan of that show growing up, and randomly, I was working uh, at my local theatre over Christmas one one year out. Well, whilst I was at uni, and um, the other nearby towns as pantomime had uh, had Dave Benson Phillips in it. And what it was was it's sort of a tradition where the guys from our panto would go and see that panto and meet the guys on the day their day off, and then like vice versa so i found out and i was like oh my god i'm gonna get my photo taken with dave benson phillips this is going to be one of the greatest days ever so that day comes around and dave's not there and i'm just devastated (laughs) and uh i'm thinking you know oh god please don't let him be an arsehole kind of a bit like jamie presumably was with neil buchanan it's like don't let one of these my one of my heroes really mess up my entire childhood and I found out later on, I got sent uh, like a care package because one of the women who worked on our show knew one of the women who worked on their show. They did sort of similar roles, etc. And I got like a care package of something that said like, uh, hi, Adam. Uh, so sorry, we couldn't I couldn't meet you the other day, like a signed thing from Dave Benson Phillips and a, a badge, which I randomly you started wearing out when I'd go out on nights out in Nottingham. And when people would ask, I'd tell them he died. <laughs> which I don't know why it's a really dark joke that I used to love making. <laughs> Why have you got a badge of Dave Benson Phillips? Oh, have you not heard? Um, but anyway, yeah, the, I found out the reason why. Such the bad reason fake why news. I did, yeah, the reason why I didn't meet Dave Benson Phillips was he and his wife were uh, trying for. A... What a cruel irony! He and his wife were um, were trying for a baby, and that. Day in particular was like the her prime ovulation day or whatever, <laughs> and anyone who's like trying for a kid knows about that sort of thing. Yeah. So genuinely, I didn't meet Dave Benson Phillips because he was too busy gunging his wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So- that's the, one of the best stories uh, I've ever heard. Honestly. Uh, oh, it if, had everything, didn't it? Oh, yeah, it did. If you didn't think this podcast could peak, it just did. Um, it is. Own, and so did Dave Benson Phillips inside his wife. Yeah. BBP. Um, it's only downhill from here. Um, talking of childhood, uh, Zakaya, you, during these episodes have heard a very sweet lullaby come back into your life. What was it like hearing that lullaby again for the for the first time in 
I want to say, God, like 20 years as your character. Yeah, what was that like? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, it's not like I'm making it seem like it was hilarious, but I've obviously been bookended with uh, Dave Benson Phillips, Gungeon, his wife. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crap, no. Um, it, was, it was really, really, uh, it was really emotional. I, I actually, when I listened to um, episode 10 back, I genuinely got a bit teary because I think... You know, there's a lot that Zach doesn't know about herself because obviously, like, she was basically left by her birth mother uh, with the gnomes in in the forest of Avene. And I mean, there's a lot that she still has to learn. She's very confused and sort of, you know, is already of two different races to who she considers to be her mother and father, Brenna and uh, and Lothram, the gnomes. So she's just very mixed up about the whole thing. And the... the um, Melody, the little lullaby. I mean, slightly disappointed that it wasn't Hitler has only got one bull, um, but, <laughs> as we hoped for. But um, yeah, the I've had that tune in my head all weekend, having listened to it. And it's, yeah, it's really haunting because at this point she's like trying to piece together the fact that it's a really obscure song that no one else knows. And there's like a half elf uh, baby involved, but she obviously thinks to herself like, that can't be me. Like that's way too coincidental. Um, she knows nothing really about her birth mother because her birth mother, um, well, we'll find out what happened to her prior to having Zach or just after she had Zach. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of mysteries for her at the moment. And I'm really excited to see like how she starts to unravel it all. How has um, has the, the character of Madame Mordana uh, changed in any way towards kind of you the way you look upon her because you know at first she's just this you know this side quest lady that you have to go and find and now hearing that she could possibly have been involved in something to do with high elves like has that changed your outlook towards her at all um definitely yeah because i think she was very much like you know we obviously had all the french jokes and stuff about her character and <laughs> i think she was very much a side character and uh the fact that in episode 10 like she gives me that incredible hug and i mean zach at that point like it's the closest she's been to hugging her mum in like you know god knows how many years so she actually asks her like obviously you know i had her sing the lullaby because it to zach it would almost feel like hugging her mum again like if she closes her eyes and listens to that melody that's basically like taking her back to being embraced by her parent and I think that's the warmest and the sort of like happiest Zach's felt in a while it's obviously led to a lot of confusion but yeah I think she will be very bonded now to mother uh mother Mo- mother Mordana um <laughs> oh, Ma- madam Mordana um and uh yeah I think you know she obviously really wants to help uh get rid of um get rid of Magnus Brink and the Jackals and maybe it will also give her a bit more of a purpose besides this kind of twisted slight revenge thing that she's got going on because I'd be lying if I said that she hasn't thought about the fact that if Ark's dead how's she gonna find uh, Colonel Aves and get revenge so yes there is this there is this previous um kind of not torment but you know situation that has happened between you and Ark which for the most part, because of the side quest, has obviously been swept aside in a very kind of British mannerisms kind of way. Just we don't talk about that, although you it's did, you know. Underlying. Yeah. yeah, there's this underlying issue. But how are you, uh, Jamie and Amy, how are you both kind of contemplating how that might resolve itself or how you go about having those conversations when you guys are not you know in the middle of a side quest or in danger like how are you how do you think you'll navigate that going forward 
Um, I don't think Art's going to say anything unless um, Zakai brings it up, to be honest. I don't think he particularly <laughs> wants to do it anyway. Mm. And, um, it's very true to yeah. form with Ark. Yeah, definitely. Any, anything that anything that can distract her from, from that goal, he'll be pretty happy with. I think the interesting <laughs> thing is what happened at the end of the episode 10 with the help us kind of pushed us towards, you know, seeing Ark's family. So maybe it'll come to a head there. But I think in general, if, if Zakai doesn't mention it, he's, Ark's not going to mention it or do anything towards it, to be honest. <laughs> I don't blame him. I don't blame him either. I think I would just be like, no, no, not talking about that. Um, So yeah, I think, and at the moment, it's sort of at the back of her brain anyway, because of obviously what's happened to Ark. So it's, I think that's sort of taken her mind off that a little bit. The fact that, you know, one losing, in a weird way, losing um, the grief of losing her parents has almost been replaced with the grief of losing another one because now Ark's gone and she's just kind of like, shit, now what happens? Um, so yeah, I think at the moment she's just really hell bent on getting him back, but there's a lot of unanswered questions about, and I think again, going back to what we love about D and D not knowing all the answers, I don't really know. Like I gave Ollie some like, you know, tidbits about Zach's past, but I don't know where he's planning on taking it. Um, I let him know that like, you know, a little bit about Zach's birth mom and potentially a little bit about her father, but I don't really know how we're going to get there. And that's really exciting for me. So, um, yeah. But yeah, Madame Moldana's little song, um, Hitler Has Only Got One Bull, was uh, an absolute, <laughs> absolute banger. And uh, I thought that was that was so well done. Because you must have heard me like audibly gasp like during that moment. Mm. In, the, in the podcast, you can hear it. I'm just like, <gasps> like, in a very sort of panto way. But that was, um, yeah, that was really cool that you, I love how you keep merging all these elements into the story when we least expect it. Yeah, I, th- I think that's so important just to keep you guys on your toes so much is, you know, you can be in the middle of a side quest and some something from your childhood or from your, you know, most recent history or whatever just sparks that. I know that thing. I have to I have to learn more about that thing. I have to discover more things because it gives you more of a purpose. You know, so far you ended up on a prison ship and were told to go somewhere to you know find a man who you've never met before but along the way there's all these developing stories that bring you guys closer together and um fill in your backstory for listeners to go oh yeah. i know this character i know uh mm. I, I i know them as a person now titus what's it like for you adam uh being in between this adopted daughter stepdad kind of relationship like how is is he still feeling quite brotherly to it all like how is he dealing with what's going on because you know what's going on you've heard it all you know after the after the bounty hunter shot Zakira and you all were sleeping under the trees you heard the conversation that went on so what's going on in your head I'm just trying to find out how Zach lost her arm. <laughs> to find that out and then what's that no I, I, I really like the dynamic of it all because I think it it would be it'd be too much if we're all sort of piling in on each other, trying to find out each other's backstories and and you know I like being the sort of middleman in that scenario and when you know when 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 we and I had to sort of because I I I think the roles have actually played out really nicely in particular in terms of like like you say with with Jamie being the daddy of the group and being the the most knowledgeable when it comes just to the ins and outs of D and D but being able to also turn around to him and be and just being really personable and, and say, look, like, hey, man, you've got to let her come to this in her own time because mm. it's a pretty, I don't know exactly what's gone on between the two of you. And I'm, I'm sure that when you two are ready, we'll have all we'll have that conversation out in the open. 
But being that sort of counterbalance to it all, I really enjoyed the the, the sort of dichotomy that that it, that it brings. It's out. a great dynamic that you bring to the gr- the group, being that you know kind of uh, reserved brother. You know, you are you are very brash and loud in all of your actions and all of your all of your bringing to the table. Or if it just gets a little bit awkward, I'll just pop a yawn. (laughs) (laughs) I love those moments. They are. They are so perfect. Um, I mean, even when I was listening back to episode 10, like that really emotional bit with like Zach uh, and Madame Madonna having a cuddle and then sort of like all the music sort of playing and the piano. And then it just almost cuts to Ark, like who's uh, sorry, to Titus who's built a pyre for Ark and is like about to set it on fire. And he's just like, oh, oh. <laughs> like the, the actual, the incredible, like the, the bittersweet and the comedy, like they work really well together. I think it's quite, it's, I think we should be quite proud of how that's happened because yeah. it's quite hard to do. <laughs> mm. Are you all fully aware of the consequences that could happen with this wish stone? I'm just putting that out to anybody who wants to answer that, uh, Jamie, Amy or Adam. Are you aware of how important this wish stone is and how how narratively divisive it will be? Because I don't want to give too much away about when the wish stone is used. I think I certainly I'm... fucking was when it was flying through the air. Nat twenty catch, lid off. I mean, Good great grief. success. Great Good success. grief! Oh my god, that was terrifying. I wish I'd known. <laughs> I just didn't think about it. I just thought like it, it's a spherical object. It's easily throwable, and I didn't think about it being fragile. So, it, it ask those questions. Always ask those questions. But um, for me, it's a bit like, what if he comes back and he's not the same? It could be very Black Mirror in that the version of Ark we get back is not the version of Ark that we had before. That interests me a lot. So I just want to ask, like, so this is to Adam and, and Amy, like, will you bring back Ark whatever the price? Have you thought about that? Oh, such a good question. Mm. What do you reckon, Ads? <laughs> I can't even, I don't even I know. Say, I'm, I, I, I'm clueless regarding this wish stone, but yeah, I, I think... Well, certainly the guilt that's coursing through me right now makes me want to bring him back. And then I can be like, well, it's wrong, Ark, so we have to kill him now. But uh, well, we tried, guys. I couldn't, I certainly wouldn't want to kill him. But like, I guess it depends on, like you say, the price. Because I think the thing is, we know Ark really well. So we kind of have to be in that mindset of like, what would he have wanted? Like, if this is really shit and it's going to harm other people and possibly... You know, like, what if it's like, oh, God, and Ollie, don't you fucking get any ideas here? But what if it's <laughs> like, oh, Ark's kids will have to pay, like, Ark's kids will suffer or they will be, like, the, oh, the sole God, trade for trade. That. Things like that, you've got to think about whether or not that price is going to be really steep. And I think if that is the case, and I'm sorry to... Do you know what? Let's... Didn't even say that, Ollie. You didn't even hear it. <laughs> Go away. Yeah. Do something else. Memory wipe. Yeah, memory wipe. Uh, where's my neuralizer? Let me find yeah. that. Um, damn it it's on charge Um, yeah I I feel like just that's what scares me is that there could be something really really menacing that we have to think about when it comes to getting our friend back see I didn't I I didn't even consider that I was I was generally leaning far more towards yeah bring him back A because it's our fault my fault mainly that he's dead and B because you always want the death to be you know heroic or you know and I know it was part of a battle 
but it didn't feel like it's not like he's you know, diving on a grenade for us or whatever. It was just because we got a bit clueless and went in there with quite low HP. <laughs> so I feel like, I don't know, because he's been, he's done so many, you know, like mm. he plunged his sword or whatever it was into the, the you know, the, the plane walk for the plane walker thing. Mm. I feel like this is just such a wet fart of a death rather than some sort of dramatic, mm. no, you know, I yeah. need to do this for you or for my family or for my friends or whatever. So I feel, yeah, I, I would lean towards it. But now you've suggested that, Ames. <laughs> now I'm not so sure. <laughs> I don't think it's all, it's definitely not like all your fault. Totally. I, I feel like it's, it was one of those things where we... Jamie, like what do you think? think <laughs> 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 well, actually, it was quite refreshing to hear Jamie say about how he had told the dead and didn't realise. Because yeah, it clearly like goes to show Everyone's that fault. Yeah, <laughs> it's every single one of us could have done something differently. Mm. Uh, so that helps absolve a little bit of the guilt. But yeah, I, do, I completely get what Adam's saying. I, I definitely feel like it's on us and we should do it. But oh God, what is the price? What is it going to be? After we recorded that episode, I went in and said to the missus, like, I think Jamie's dead. Like Jamie's character's <laughs> dead, obviously. And then it's all, it hit me immediately. It was awkward enough experiencing it and Jamie going you know you could have just done that and been really straightforward I'm really nervous about when this comes out the the public reaction to it because just explaining to Anna Louise oh so how did Jamie die and going like well it was a multitude of things you know it's not one specific (laughs) let's not point fingers here Uh, let's go to VAR and see exactly what happened (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 Just so you know, I'm still getting tweets for like tweets at like hashtag gnome remorse. I'm still getting tweets that say that from people. Just so you know. (laughs) This will be a good win for the gnome community. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that about wraps up this episode of No Dice. I want to thank you once again for listening and thank my players, Jamie, Amy and Adam, for taking us on a tour of what has been as we look forward to what's to come on Dice with Death. Um, you should subscribe to this podcast for all the latest adventures with Ark Zakir and Titus and leave us a five-star review. I cannot stress enough how much it helps us out when you leave a five-star review. Big shout-out to Felix and big shout-out to Barzi, who have left us five-star reviews. Thank you so much. Do more of that because we love it and it really does help us out. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Dice Death Pod. We're also on Facebook, but no one cares about that, right? No one cares about Facebook. So yeah, get at us on Twitter and Instagram and join us next week for the next episode of Dice with Death. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Actually, that doesn't happen on no dice. I mean, mine was more like a sender, so I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh.